All right, let's uh, pause for just a moment once again. You've heard the scripture read. We're beginning a brand new year. Uh, What a wonderful way to begin a brand new year in God's word together. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us today. Father, we, we begin by simply saying thank you for your word. We have held it in our hands today. We've flipped through the pages of 66 books of your word. We have, our eyes have looked upon it. We have sang the scripture. We have said the scripture together in our treasure verse. We have heard the scripture read. Really, we've it's been as it should in, in corporate worship. It's, we've, we've been surrounded with the Scripture, with the divinely inspired, true Word of God. We confess, Lord, sometimes we are surrounded by Your Word in our homes and in the church, but yet in our lives and in our hearts and in our daily practice, sometimes we're forgetful or neglectful of your word in our lives. And it is our desire, Father, not to just know something about your word, not to just know a verse or two of treasure verses this year, not to not to just be exposed to the singing and the reading and the teaching of the word on Sundays, but that your word would be alive and active within us, changing us, growing us, teaching us, sending us, using us, transforming us into your likeness. And so, Father, we begin a new year as a church family together. We begin by focusing on your word And our prayer is that your word would be our focus as a church family, as individuals, as families, that we as believers, Father, would literally dive into your word and your word would dive into us and you would continue, God, to mold us and fashion us as the people of God that you desire and plan for us to be. There are many treasures, Father, that are here for us, and we pray that you would give us the will and the desire and the hunger to seek them out each and every day. Now speak to us, Lord, as only you can through your gracious, powerful, living word. And we give you the praise for all that you're going to do this day and throughout the rest of this year in our lives until we're all gathered in glory. In Christ's name, amen. So, around the first of the year, I will seek to encourage us and challenge us to each one of us make God's Word a priority in our lives in the coming year. And I've been doing that by simply taking a section of Psalm 119 around the first of each year. So, here we are in the fourth section of Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32. Psalm 119 is is all about the Scripture. It's all about God's Word. The largest chapter in the Bible is entirely dedicated to being dedicated to the Word of God. That's how important it is in the Scripture and thus how important it is in our lives. So you know as well as I do, the new year is, is always a time for us to reevaluate things, to rethink things, to plan, to make resolutions, to set goals. And so I'm urging all of us today that, that we not only strive to make changes and to make uh, set goals in, in, uh, in all the other areas of our lives. Sometimes we have physical goals, some, we have relational goals, we have financial goals, we have all kinds of goals but more importantly, that we give greater attention and, and, and important attention in our lives, prioritize attention for 
spiritual goals in our lives for 2022. You know, paying off a debt this year or, or, or shedding 10 pounds this year, both of those are, are worthy goals, good goals. But treasuring Christ and walking with God and growing in holiness ridding ourselves of the things that so easily beset us and incorporating into our lives the things that will will lead us to hunger and thirst for Christ and for godliness. Those are far greater. Whatever our spiritual goals may be, and um, some of those, as I said, some of those may be uh, ridding our lives of the the clutter or the distractions that have filled our lives or or adding into our lives the things that God is calling us to do. Whatever those spiritual goals may be, pouring God's Word into our lives will be fundamental and foundational to each and every one, no matter what kind of spiritual goal we have this year to grow in the likeness of Christ Being rooted in God's Word each and every day will be absolutely essential to that goal, to striving for that goal, to reaching that goal, to when we stumble and fall and neglect that goal, getting up and returning to that goal throughout the year. 30 minutes with God each day will enrich our lives to a far greater measure than losing 30 pounds. It is a far greater work to invest in our spiritual lives by investing ourselves in the Word of God, exposing our hearts and lives, exposing our minds to God's Word and allowing that Word to do its work within us. And that's what we see in this text today. I made a commitment in my life when I became a believer at the age of 15 to read through the Bible every year. I had had just turned 15 and and just a few days after turning 15 I came to Christ as my Lord and Savior by God's grace alone it's it's been purely by God's grace alone I've been able to keep that spiritual goal down through the years now sometimes sometimes confessedly I would have to get up and and read about 30 chapters to catch up with all the days that I've missed. But by God's grace, I've, I've been able to keep that spiritual goal going in my life down through the years. And all of a sudden, I, I blink and I'm 49. I'm 49. So I've read the Bible 33 times. You'll understand that why I'm not saying that to brag in just a few minutes. Because I thought about that. Just a few weeks ago, I completed reading the Bible again for another, another year. And I began to think, what, what difference has this practice? I mean, it's, it's been a substantial practice in my life. So what difference has this practice made in my life? Just being honest before God, I have to say, you know, I began to think about that. And I, and I began to realize and, and admit, you know, it, it's not like, 33 times of reading through the Bible has made me some kind of spiritual giant. I'm not a spiritual giant. In fact, what amazes me more is not how stronger I am in the Lord, but oftentimes how frail. How frail. I'm still amazed at after all these years, at how easily I can be discouraged and how quickly I can be distracted. Because you would think, wouldn't you? You would think one would imagine, after reading the Bible so many times, I mean, surely you have, you have grown by leaps and bounds and, and, and you're able to face any challenge or any hardship with, with tremendous, victorious faith. And, and you would just be oozing and, 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 and dripping with the fruit of the Spirit. My family's chuckling, I think, in, down deep inside. But that hasn't been the case in my life. And it dawned on me that maybe I was asking the wrong question. Or maybe I was asking the question the wrong way. Maybe the question wasn't what difference in terms of strength and greatness 
that the Bible, exposure to the Bible has made in my life. But, but rather the question might be put this way. And when you put it this way, it made all the sense in the world to me. Maybe the question would be, where would I be today had I not spent 33 years in the Bible? And that's a terrifying question. And it was then I had learned a profoundly vital spiritual lesson in my life. And I think it's precisely the lesson of our text today. Spending time with God in his word did not make me a giant, a spiritual hero. But it did keep me steady. It did keep me going. It did keep me pressing on and believing. It steadied me when I was shaken. It picked me up when I stumbled. And I often stumbled in 33 years. It shone its bright light in my heart through dark and cloudy days. It softened my heart when my heart grew cold. In other words, God sustained me and carried me. There is nothing that I have faced or experienced or been confronted with or fallen prey to in 33 years that God did not have a direct word for in his word. If I would just read it and then by prayer ask God to give me the faith to believe it and cling to it and live it and stand by it and practice it. So it wasn't so much for me and everyone's experiences are different. I mean there, there are spiritual giants and heroes in our, in our world that God gives us to encourage us and to imitate. But it wasn't so much for me about rising above the storm. It was simply more about being able to weather it, being able to get through it, being able to make it to the other side by a steady, ongoing diet of God's Word in my life. In other words, as Paul says, I am what I am by God's grace alone. And I would say God's grace especially by timing his word. So I think the passage before us really kind of breaks down in, 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 into two sections. We'll look at those separately. We have subpoints under each of those. But the first one is God's word for you. And that's, that's kind of the title, God's word for you in, in 2022. But here, here are five things or five verses in verse, verse uh, 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29. And I think there are five things here for us to see God's word for us in 2022. Number one, God's word will lift you when you are low. God's word will lift you when you are low. Verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Now, now hear the psalmist. My soul clings to the dust. That's pretty low. He's in a very low point in his life. Something has happened. He has experienced something. Something has gone on in his heart, in his life, in his world that has brought him to a very low place in his faith, in his heart, in his mind. He is clinging to the dust. That means he's barely living. He's barely making it. And life will do that from time to time. We will find that in our lives from time to time. If, you're, if you say, boy, my soul is clinging to the dust, you're saying, I'm about as low as, as you can possibly get without just simply dying. 
It might be the darkness of doubt or depression. It might be the weariness of disappointments and failures. It might be the hurts and heartaches of life. Whatever it might be, we can at times allow life and experiences and our situations and circumstances push us to the very point of despair. And here is where the psalmist is. My soul clings to the dust. That's the best that I can do today is grab the dust and hang on. That's the best I can do for you today. Imagine that. Have you been there? Can anybody say, amen? My soul clings to the dust. My soul. But you know what? God has a word just for you and for me in dusty days. The psalmist cries, give me life. How? Well, let me get out of this mess. No, that's not what he said. Give me life. How? Let me get away from this person. That's not what he said. Let me get out of town. That's not what he said. Give me life. How? According to your word. Your word. The answer For that very, very low estate in his life was the word of God. The medication for his soul was the word of God. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? You see, we as Baptists believe that the Bible is true. Now we need to learn that the Bible is sufficient. It's sufficient. Give me life according to your word. In other words, that's where I'm going to find it. That's how it's going to happen. That's what's going to lift me from this very low estate. Most of the time, the promises and truths of God and his word are not for removing the dust, but for the faith to see through it. For the faith to see above it. And all of a sudden, when God's promises begin to ring in our heart, when the truth of who God is and how faithful he is and all he's done for us in Christ and all we have in the gospel, when those things begin to to ruminate in our hearts and our lives, even when we're clinging to the dust, all of a sudden we're no longer clinging to the dust. We find ourselves, we find our soul clinging to God, clinging to that promise, clinging to that truth. That's a tremendous transformation. When you go from barely hanging on to hanging on to God, to hanging on to his character, to hanging on to his promise, to hanging on to his grace, to hanging on to that verse. God's word allows us to change what we're clinging to. David knows what this means. I believe David is the author here. But David says in another place in Psalm 40, 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. God's word will lift you when you are low. Secondly, we find in verse 26, God's word will answer your deepest questions. And I would add, and longings and desires. In verse 26, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. I told of my ways. What I need is to be taught your statutes. You see, we have our ways and God has his ways. 
And his ways are not our ways. We, we have our way of thinking, our way of viewing the world, our way of right and wrong, our way of living. And our ways are simply not sufficient. Our ways are not sufficient for life, certainly not for salvation, and never sufficient for our deepest questions and longings. I'm talking about questions like, why? That's a question our ways won't answer, can't answer. Questions like, what happens after this life? Questions like, what is the meaning of this life? Questions like, what am I to do with my life? Questions like, how do I live through this? How am I to navigate through this situation? Questions like, I am a sinner. Am I ready to meet God? The deepest questions and longings in our hearts. You see, when we submit our lives to God's word and expose our hearts to his statutes, he becomes our teacher. He becomes our teacher. We trade self for God as our teacher, the world for God as our teacher, and he teaches us his ways. We begin to see his ways, his thoughts, his plans, his purposes. And suddenly, the world is not as we thought. The world is not as we had viewed it. The world is not as we had planned it to be. Because after all, this is his world. If you'll look with me, just, just in the verse previous to our text today, in verse 24, he says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. That's powerful. Your testimonies. In other words, the things that God says about himself in his word. The things I learn about you in your word, they are what counsel me. They are what teach me. They are what answers our deepest questions and longings. Third thing, God's word will fill your soul. God's word will fill your soul. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts. Not only the what, but the why, right? The way of your precepts. And that's in God's word too. God's word is not just a list of do's and don'ts, but it's a revelation of himself. And I will meditate on your wondrous works. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. There are two things our souls will feast upon as we feast in God's word. His precepts and his works. The things that he says and the things that he does, his divine decrees and his divine interventions. That's how we come to know God. What does he say and what does he do? What does he speak and how does he react? And first of all, we just need to really sit back for a little bit with, with our Bibles here open, in English, by the way, and just take a little pause and, and, and once again rejoice in the fact that we serve a God who speaks. In fact, we serve the only God who speaks. Think about that. We've been praying for my friend in Myanmar, Pastor Joseph. Many of you have given uh, to help provide a home for him. We started that project. Now it's gotten delayed because the violence is close to his home right now. But I visited with Pastor Joseph over in Myanmar. Myanmar is a land filled with Buddhism, filled with temples, filled with gods. We went to some of the, I mean, some of the most ornate, some of the poorest people you'll ever meet and some of the most ornate gods you'll ever see. 
And you want you you go into those temple grounds, and and you're not supposed to speak. You're and and, and there's little there's little sections all over. It, it's it's a huge territory, and there's there's gods here and gods there, and Buddha here and Buddha there, and and they're praying and 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 crying and 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 giving food and giving offerings and 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 praising and and they're doing all of this around all of these different idols. And not a single one of those gods said a word to the hundreds of people that were crying to them that day. The Bible says it. They have ears, but they hear not. They have eyes, but they see not. They have mouths, but they speak not. Let me remind you, dear church, our God hears, sees, and he speaks. And he has spoken. The God of the universe has spoken on every page, in every line, by every word in his word. We should be scrambling to get to the next sermon. Because God has spoken. To get to the next daily time with God. To get to the next Bible study. Because God has spoken. He actually speaks. He doesn't leave us in our slumbering darkness. He, He sheds the light of truth. He doesn't sit and watch us wander around in confusion. He speaks his will. We don't serve a silent deity. We serve the God who speaks. And when he speaks, he doesn't speak trivial. He doesn't speak frivol. He speaks absolute, certain, eternal, unchanging Truth. Truth that we can live by, truth that we can be saved by. But this is even more amazing. We serve not only a God who speaks and who has spoken, we serve a God who acts, who moves, who intervenes. And that's how we come to know him even more. Now think about this in parenting. There, there are times when, when we explain to our children what to do. But it kind of really clicks when we show them by the way we live or we show them by walking through with them how to do this. God not only speaks, God acts, and in so doing has wonderfully revealed himself to us as faithful, as all-powerful, as all-knowing. He works, he moves, he answers, he provides, he protects, he sustains, he saves. He works. God moves. There are a lot of things in this old world that promise to fill our souls. Everywhere we turn, there's a promise. This will make you happy. This will make you better. This will solve your problems. Possessions and pleasures, ideologies and relationships, fortune and fame, and not a single one of those who make those large promises are able to fulfill their promise and deliver to fill our heart and fill our soul. But when we begin to unlock the treasures of God's word and we hear him speak and we see him work, he fills our souls. You remember how David puts it in Psalm 23. My cup overflows. You see, when life gets too big for me, I need to be reminded God is bigger than life. And when I get too big for life, I need to be reminded that God is greater than me. So when I read in the Bible that Jesus simply speaks and calms the storm, that God simply speaks and brings the heavens and the earth into being, when I see God move on that kind of scale by simply speaking, then I know when I come to his word and his word says, do not worry. 
Do not be afraid. Then I have no need to worry. And I don't have to be afraid. Because I've been exposed to this God who speaks and who moves in his word. Fourth thing, God's word will strengthen your heart. Verse 28 My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Now, whatever was going on with the psalmist in verse 25 is going on with him in verse 28. The heaviness of life that caused him to cling to the dust has caused great sorrow of his heart. But you know what he has found? He has found the same thing that we will find as we keep seeking. The psalmist has found that God's word is sufficient for both. For both the heaviness and the sorrow. Not just one of the other. Paul says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, I want you to know, brothers, that those circumstances that happened to us, we got to the point that we despaired of life itself. The Apostle Paul said, we endured such circumstances there that we despaired of. We thought we had received the sentence of death. We, we thought it was over. That's how low we were. But God will strengthen us. And look what he says again. You got to see how he phrases it, right? My soul melts for sorrow. In other words, there's going to be sorrowful circumstances that are sorrowful enough to melt your soul. There are powerful, sorrowful circumstances that are sorrowful enough to melt your soul. So what do you do? Well, look at what the psalmist says. Strengthen me. How? Again, let's ask the question. How? What was the resolution? What was the answer? Where did he go? How do you, how do you find strength? Strengthen me according to your word. That means they, they, there's something about the word of God, the truth of God, the, the working of God, the living active word of God that the psalmist was finding when his heart was, when his soul was melting, that he was strengthened, he was reinvigorated. Life was poured back into him. When life was, when, when the circumstances of life had life just ebbing out of him, the word of God renewed him, refreshed him, restored him. Strengthen me. How? According to your word. That's where he found the answer. I'm afraid that many of us in the church today, in this church and in all churches, when we get to this point, we go to so many other resources and they don't satisfy. And the real tragedy is we keep going to those resources. We, we just keep going. They don't work, but we keep going. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me. How? According to your word. There's the answer. There's the strength. There's the life. Fifth thing, God's word will guide you in truth. Verse 29, put false ways far from me. In other words, false ways are always going to be around us. False ways are always going to bombard us. False ways are always going to confront us. There will be false ways that we will encounter all the time. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. In other words, false ways are put far from us. False ways are removed from our path as God graciously teaches us his law. We sang it earlier, didn't we? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We encounter falsehood and deception at every turn. At every turn. On the TV, on the radio, on the smartphone. 
in the world in which we interact with people all the time who are themselves deceived. We are surrounded by deception and falsehood all the time. And, and, and not only are we surrounded on the ex- exterior by deception and falsehood, but, but then there's that interior, those, as the Bible says, that heart that's desperately wicked, who, who can know it, that, that sinful part of us that remains, that inclines itself towards that deception and falsehood and away from truth. So we have this this attack from the outside and, and this inclination from the inside. So how are we to be sure what is real and what is true and what is false and what is truth? To know this, God's word never lies. God's word never deceives God's word never misleads. It comes from God. It is only truth. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Now that means when we say that, we not only need to be exposed to the law, but but we need some help understanding it, don't we? Teach me graciously. Give it. Give it graciously. Teach me your law. So we need the spirit of God working with us. That means we need to be praying as we're reading the Bible and studying the Bible and hearing the Bible for God's help. That, that's why, that's why every Sunday before I preach, I say, okay, let's stop and ask God to help us. God's word for you in 2022. Now quickly, we're going to look second point of the sermon. We're going to go through these points fairly quickly it's God's word for you in 2022 but it also has to be you for God's word in 2022 and we see that in verses 30 through 32 there must be a cooperation between us and the word of God for the word to work in our lives what I mean by that is God's word in us happens as we are in God's word The more of God's word we pour into our lives, the more God's word will be at work in our lives. That's the point. And that's what we see in these remaining three verses. Look in verse 30. Psalmist says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. One follows the other, right? As I set your rules before me, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. The psalmist chooses this way of faithfulness. In other words, the way he's living his life, faithful according to God's will and purpose, because he has set God's rules before him. Now listen to that. He says, I have set your rules before him. That means he had to do something. I have set your rules before me, and therefore I'm choosing the way of faithfulness in this life. So he had to set God's rules before him. He had to engage. He had to be intentional. He had to plan. He, he, had, to, he had to make a way. He, he, he read the scripture. He prayed about the scripture. He pondered on the scripture, memorized, meditated on the scripture. He had to actually, literally set God's rules before him. In verse 31, same thing we see. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I cling to your testimonies. He's doing something there. He's becoming aware. He's got to know what the testimonies are to cling to them. I cling to your testimonies. So he clings to God's testimonies. He's, he's doing something there. He's, he's exposing his life and his heart to God's word. He's, he's diving into God's word to see God and, and to hear God speak and, and to see God's works. To be amazed, to be thrilled, to be corrected. And he does all of that so he won't be put to shame. What, what does he mean be put to shame? Because sin will leave you in shame. Sin will lead us to do some shameful things. 
If we're not in God's word and we are, we are lured away by the deceptions of the world around us and the sinful inclinations within us, we will be put to shame in, in unbelief. We will be put to shame in the, in the sin that we are tempted to and swayed by. We, the best case scenario is that we will waste this life on the trivial things and the useless distractions of the world and self we we will give our thing we will give ourselves to things in this life seeking life and never find it so he says i cling to your testimonies that i will not be put to shame let me not be put to shame how's that how's that going to happen i'm clinging to your testimonies How do we set God's rules before us? How do we cling to his testimonies? Very practical. You've heard this before. I know you have. Number one, if we're going to spend time in God's word each and every day, we've got to pick a plan. just, Just pick a plan. A Bible reading plan, a Bible study plan. And these are, these are everywhere. It's so simple. They're so easy to get. If you have a Bible app, there's probably a Bible reading or Bible study plan on it. If you have a study Bible or a Bible with notes, there's probably a Bible reading plan in there. You can Google Bible reading plan and you'll get hundreds of uh, opportunities and links There's all kinds of ways to find different ways to read the Bible, study the Bible. You just have to pick one. What works best? What what excites you? What what encourages you to be in God's Word each and every day? What, What kind of plan can you have? You don't have to read the whole Bible all the way through like I do. That's a good plan. I encourage you to do that. But the point is just be in God's Word every day. Somehow. And not... Let me say this, not in your, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, in, in your by time. Like, as I'm doing this and as I'm doing that and as I'm driving here and as I'm doing this, I spend, no, 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 that's not spending time in God's word. That, that's not meditating. That's not pondering. That's not soaking in. Set aside time that it's just you and God, just you and God. There's where the strength lies. There's where the life is. Pick a plan, Bible reading. Maybe it's not a Bible reading plan. Maybe it's a a devotion that that you read a a verse and and you read someone's thoughts on that and, and you meditate and you ponder and you pray about that for a few minutes each day. I encourage you to do that. If that's if that's how you're gonna spend time in God's Word, maybe you're tra using the treasure verse in your life. If you are using a devotion, I do, I do want to warn you against a lot of the psychobabble self-help that, that, that's turned to Christianese with a verse here and a verse there and a little, you know, spiritual lingo here and there. Don't waste your time on that stuff. It's not deep enough to carry you through these kinds of things. The Christian life is not happy-go-lucky and everybody's fine and fabulous every day. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's believing. It's clinging. It's treasuring. It's loving. So if if you want to go the devotion route, then I would encourage you to go to WTSbooks.org, WTSbooks.org, look up devotionals, and find some solid meat to meditate on. Just pick a plan to be in God's Word on a regular basis, an ongoing diet. Pick a plan. Number two, set a time. Set a time that it's just you and God. Now, for me, and and I encourage people, morning, first thing, before the day gets started, before everything gets busy, in the morning time, for me, I have found that to be the best. In the evening, I'm either too tired, too busy, or too distracted to really give myself to God's Word. You say, well, 
I'm an, I, I'm a night person. Okay, but at night, or what do you, what do you, what are you doing as a night person at night? Are you really digging in God's word, or, or you know, watching a movie, or, or going and doing this, or you know, reading a book, whatever? All those things are fine, but you've got, you have to set aside a time that it's just you and God. Pick a plan, set a time. And then stick to it. Stick to it. And here's how you do that. Don't allow anything short of sickness, emergency, or death to interfere with your special time every day with your God and Savior. Don't let anything else interfere. So you've got to pick a time that nothing else is going to interfere and then stick to it. Don't allow anything else, sort of sickness, emergency, or death, take you away from your time with God. And then the last verse, verse 32, is one of the most important for us to hear today. Rely on God's part. To do your part. I can't, I can't urge this enough that it's only by God's grace that we do anything for God. So don't go into this. You, know, go, you might say, yeah, I want to spend time in God's word. I want to read the Bible all the way through. Or I want to have this devotion. Or I want to really study this book of the Bible and know it in and out. I want to memorize this book of the Bible. I, I want to know it in and out. I want to really feast on this. Don't, we, don't go... T- into it in our own strength it'll never work we rely on God's part for our part look at verse 32 here's our treasure verse for the month I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart I will do it I I will run when you enlarge my heart Only by God's grace. Anything we do for God will not come easy. I can't explain to you how many times I fight myself and fight the snooze button and fight the pillow and and fight everything else to get up and spend time with the God of the universe. (laughs) Can you? That's ridiculous, isn't it? But we do. There will always be a fight of faith for anything that we're doing for God. We simply can't live for God without his grace. The psalmist says, when you enlarge my heart. Now, if your physical heart becomes enlarged, that's a problem. But your spiritual heart can never be too large for God. Enlarge my heart. So that's the invitation today. The, the invitation today is that we would set those spiritual goals for 2022, allowing God's word to be fu- fundamental to whatever they are, that we would pour God's word into our lives. We would have that plan, have that time Have that consistency. But when we get all of that set up, then we come before God's presence and beg and pray that he would give us the grace. He would give us the determination. He would give us the will. He would give us the love for Christ that would drive us and move us to seek the Lord each and every day. That, that's the invitation. And, and I tell you, the, the, those spiritual goals that God has already been kind of speaking and, and placing in our heart, the things that we need to rid our lives of and the things that we need to pour in our lives, we will never get it done on our own. Flesh will not win against flesh. We'll only do it by God's grace and strength. So, I don't know, maybe the front of this church should be filled with us begging God to pour his grace into our lives that we might be strengthened for the task before us this year. 
May God give us the grace to seek his grace every day. Church, do you want to run in the way of his commandments? Then let us pray and seek his face that he might super enlarge our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we know what we need. We need your word. We need your truth. We know how difficult that is because we've, we've tried before and we've failed many times. We've skipped many days. We've made many excuses. We've loved other things more. We, 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 know, we know who we are. We know what we've done. And we know what we need. We, we need your word. And we know the only way to be consistent and, and to find those treasures and to find that life and find that strength is that you might grace us, Lord, with the love and, and the desire and the determination to seek you consistently that we might find life and salvation. So either way, in the beginning, in the middle, or in the end, Lord, we need you. So we come before you as individuals, as husbands, as wives, as students, as families, as a church body. And, and our prayer is, number one, that, God, your word would be our priority in our lives, not only to be in the word, but that the word would be in us, changing us and transforming us. And for that to happen, Lord, we need you. We, we greatly need you to be working and moving and giving us the grace to do so. We need you, Lord, every step of our Christian life. So would you do something wonderful now as we come before you just laying our lives, our hearts before you, beggars needing grace. Would you do something wonderful and faithful as you always do and lavish us with the grace needed that we might be gracious. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.